Stella! Noah! <laughs> Eliza! <laughs> I'm Meg Jansen. I'm Eliza Jansen. I'm Noah Jansen. And this is Twin Peaks. Gosh, I love movies. Welcome to Twin Peaks, the show where a pair of actual real-life human twins... And I'm at Mum here too. <laughs> ...and our sister make a double feature out of two movies that share some sort of tenuous little connection and decide which one does its job better. How are we doing, guys? Oh, I'm good. What? Feeling yeah. good? It's feeling a, fresh? After watching these films, you Fired know, up. just... Yeah. Feeling a bit deep after feeling, these I'm guys. feeling really inside my body after I'm in my feelings. I'm feeling sticky. Oh. I'm happy it's summer. <laughs> I think Marlon Brando yeah. has something to do with that. Yeah, <laughs> like, I oh. oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's a sexy man in this film. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I'm like, <laughs> Sorry. No, no. Should we start again? No. I don't know. <laughs> We could spend the whole time talking about how attractive Martin Brando is in this film. You're very right. Just a bit like you just went there immediately. I went there really dove quickly. In. I'm like, geez. Yeah. Should yeah. we just like wind it on back? I or? think we should have to take a steps back. I'm I sorry I mentioned stickiness. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm happy that it's like really, it's getting really like hot and summery while we're talking about this. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm in New Orleans and I just want to mention Julep and <laughs> think about all the boys I left behind. I need to have a bath and get out and yeah. <laughs> on the porch. Well, yeah. if you haven't already guessed it, one of our films this week is A Streetcar Named Desire, based on the 1947 play of the same name, written by Tennessee Williams. Mm-hmm. And we are talking about that in comparison to Blue Jasmine, the 2013 film written and directed by Woody Allen, starring Kate Blanchett and Sally Harris. Uh, what are our first impressions of the Sally film? Sally Harris. How do we... Wait, is it Sally Hawkins? 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 Sally Hawkins. Yeah. Who is she? Who am I? What is I this movie? <laughs> what am I doing here? Get me off the podcast. <laughs> I, um, Sally Hawkins. You're totally right. Yeah. Um, I suck. Um, <laughs> how do we know the movies before we've, we were talking about them? How yeah, did we know them? I have a weird memory with Blue Jasmine of did seeing we all this see in like together? a sold out cinema at Hoyt's. Yeah. And did I make up that it's all? I remember being like, why is this cinema full? It's his highest grossing film. Yeah. Isn't it? Really? Maybe that or Midnight in Paris. It did very well. Yeah. It did do very, very well. But um, I, I remember seeing it in a sold out cinema at Hoyts and be like, this is really, really good. Well the I liked Oscar, it when we were kids. Yeah. I think being like, wow, we're seeing a grown up movie as a family. Like, yeah, yeah. I remember it was that. This is dope. Yeah, no, I love this movie. Dope. This is real dope. Yeah. <laughs> no, I really love this movie. I think I've always loved this movie. Yeah. Did you guys do. How about with Streetcar? Yeah. Did you I do did Streetcar in school. I did the Blanche monologue where she's like, there are hundreds of papers going back over thousands of years or whatever. And then she's Come like, on, next thank, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so much. That means a lot. Yeah. I was not good though. <laughs> and it was for a drama teacher that like everyone at our school thought was so hot and everyone was like, oh, I'm so nervous about doing my Blanche monologue. In front of him. <laughs> oh, I don't want to do Blanche in front of him. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, so. I didn't I didn't study Streetcar, but I know it really well. You're I, like a Tennessee Williams head. You I am. A yeah. huge Tennessee Williams fan, and like any I was always day more of the Glass week, Menagerie. Oh, I love Glass Menagerie, and I did study that in school. Yeah. But I always pref- I have did. preferred reading plays over reading novels, and yeah. I read this yeah. like on my laptop during Year Nine French. I'm pretty sure for the first oh. time. Um, I love, I love Such this. Such an artist, to Meg. Oh, look at me, Meg. You have a beautiful oh, soul. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I don't know yeah. what it is. <laughs> the higher arts. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I have really fond feelings about both of these texts personally. Going yeah. into it already, I did. And then on the rewatch. Um, Just further ignited the flame. Yeah, but yeah. maybe let's yeah. get into the thick of it. Should we start with the streetcar? Oh, we should probably start with the connection is as well. Oh, yeah, right. my bad. So the connection between the two films um, – Definitely, if we look at Blue Jasmine in contrast to Streetcar, they share a lot of similarity in premise. It's sort of this sister, superficially more successful, returning home to her superficially less successful sister Hmm. um, in the wake of like a huge disaster, personal trauma um, sort of scenario. They're not, um, you know, specifically like referential to each other. Like Blue Jasmine doesn't specifically quote a streetcar, but yeah, there's like undeniable similarities. And Woody undeniable. Allen is like a big Tennessee Williams and he's a scholar. Huge yeah. Tennessee like Williams scholar. You know, and, and even the way that like both of the films, a big focus of the impact of the arrival of the sister is the impact it has on the relationship between yeah. the other, like the, the, the sister and, and, and her new, like very recent uh, boyfriend yeah. or fiance or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So let's get into well, the thick of it. Let's do so it. Streetcar. A Streetcar Named Desire is the 1951 American drama film adapted from Tennessee Williams' Pulitzer Prize-winning 1947 play of the same name. Uh, it depicts this Southern Belle Blanche Dubois who arrives in New Orleans to her sister. Via a streetcar. Via a streetcar named, named Desire. Desire. Um, there's something so funny about the first line in a movie being the title of <laughs> We've the We've talked about title drops. <laughs> like, what a title Imagine drop. Imagine she was like... I what have to she get say? on. She, she says, said, I'm looking for a streetcar named Desire. I'm looking for a streetcar named Desire. Imagine she's like, I'm looking for a streetcar named Face Off. I'm looking for a streetcar named like the number six. Like, where is it? Um, bizarre. Streetcar is like a tram. I'm, yeah. That's what that yeah. is. Um, Such a cool maybe, title for a thing. Well, what does it that mean? Dope. Not to get all literary, but what, what the hell? Eliza, God, we definitely you know talked this. about it. Do I remember what it is? Yeah. Well, I guess the whole film is very like lusty. It's about yeah, these it's very bizarre sexual movie. hedonistic relationships and um, indulging them in these really grotesque ways. I think ways. also the idea of her, because the whole movie, her arc is basically her losing her sanity and all her autonomy. I think Blanche it's, Dubois, that yeah, is. Blanche. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's like her being carried away into yeah. this like yeah. crazy other realm or whatever. Really. Yeah. Well. There's something um, about it being set against New Orleans as well that really adds to that. It's hot. It's The atmosphere sweaty. of this film, it's so palpable. You're yeah. watching this and w- like I was sitting in like, you know, 16 degrees, but it was like, <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was, in, I was inside. <laughs> I wasn't outside watching this. But it feels hot and it feels steamy. Yeah, the I, jazz, like um, just jazz. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk awesome. about that. Yeah, that, that real gorgeous. Um, um, I read that the, the set actually gets smaller throughout the film to make mm, oh, it feel neat. more claustrophobic and mm. you really you you feel really that You really do feel that. Especially in moments of that climax between, you know, the couples when Stanley's really overpowering Stella, Mm. things like that. It's just so claustrophobic. Um, Basically how the story sort of follows along is Blanche arrives um, in town to stay with her sister Stella. Um, She purports to have um, quit her day job at a school after like a nervous breakdown um, and that is eventually revealed to be a lie. Um, as the story follows along, spoilers, we find out that she has been ousted from town after losing um, their sort of like plantation home, which Stanley is. Yeah, they're like a respected southern yeah, family. Southern family and, and she's lost kind of Bellevue, their lost family. control of their fortune. Um, mm. And has 
had to sort of turn to like prostitution pretty much um, in this former life. Yeah. But anyway, it's all it's all said in n- much vaguer terms than this because, of course, it is this different sort of drawl, this New Orleans like lady of the night thing going yeah. on. Um, but, yeah, what are our impressions of the film? How do we feel about it? I, I think the thing that sticks out to me as I um, – I read the play quite recently just because, like, you always brushing up on, like, some Tennessee Williams and stuff. I um, You always are. You always are. You've got, you got to touch base every <laughs> now and then. touch. Tennessee, um, what's going on? Ten, how are you? Okay. <laughs> Can you make, no, really, how are we? Um, what stuck out to me this time is, so the what's quite, like, unique about this film itself is, like, it's directed from, like, he had directed the stage production yeah. and was asked to make the film. Yeah. So it has... What's so exciting to me with with this film is how the theatre meets film, yeah. um, performance wise, and um, in a direction like in regards to direction. Um, the most exciting thing about this film to me is like people always say this is one of the best like acted films of all time. Yeah, this has four of the best performances of all well, time. Well, this um, film launched Marlon Brando's it career. It did in a star making turn. And the star most exciting film. part of this film to me is to watch two different acting disciplines clash. Yeah, you watch yeah. the very like heightened. Super we, we talked. Mannered we talked recently yeah. about Vivian how. Yeah, we talked recently about how prior to like the fifties, a naturalistic performance in like a Billy Wilder movie or something would have people being like. Damn you! Yeah, oh, and like slamming hands and on the table and stuff. And that's realism for these. And people, that's realism yeah. for these people. And then you watch that clash with Marlon Brando doing what yeah. what is now the cinematic standard. Yeah, and where every single word he says blends into the next. I, there is I have no enunciation going literally, on. Literally, and it's so believable. And it's every moment of Marlon Brando in this film. Every single little thing he does is so packed with decision yeah. and choice and life. Yeah. I have two weird little things that stuck out to me. It's from the extremes of when he's rummaging through Blanche's um, suitcase. her suitcase mm. and throwing shit around mm. and a little feather comes off of one of her um, mi- binks and mm. he just kind of like flicks it away. Mm. And I'm like, such a thing that wouldn't happen. Like theatrically, like he's in the space, he's so... Hyper realistic, hyper-aware of yeah. everything, always alert. You can really feel that. It goes from an extreme like that to how he is able to so deftly present one of the more progressive elements of the film to me is how logically it presents uh, like toxic mm. masculinity. Like you actually understand the logic that could support someone being this cruel. Yeah. You're never like he's this horrible stereotype. Yeah. You understand why... Stella would put up with it, why she would excuse it. Yeah. You understand? Why she would be like, oh, but you yeah. know, like the that's sort what of drama like. is their love language. I would like to clashes, yeah. really um, emphasize who Kazan is as a director. Truly, Throughout yeah. his entire career, he is so stressed as being the actor's director. Um, he is credited with getting four of the most significant Oscar nominations of his protagonists. So he had uh, East of Eden. On the waterfront, mm. uh, he had streetcar, and he oh maybe it's just the two the three those are the three that that, that stand out to me. Um, and he launched these careers. He's launched Marlon Brando, um, James Dean. Yeah. He's sort of pushed these unknowns into the spotlight. He's also um, credited with founding the Actors Studio. Um, sadly, his career was really um, bogged down in political controversy. He yeah. was this huge titan of the industry during McCarthyism um, and his honorary Oscar nomination was really 
um, clouded in the controversy of the fact that he did name people against the House of um, mm. Un-American Act, yeah, Board or whatever. Activities um, ousted his co-workers as communists, um, which is like a sad, interesting but sad historical point to touch on. Um, but, yeah, yeah. He, he's so tasked as being the actor's director and you can really feel that here. Like he's lending himself as a director not to, you know, necessarily anything that – visually demanding or that um bold in terms of its like totally yeah it's actual um yeah he he yeah he depiction but it's his it's his actors who are who are bringing this performance home and he's making that making himself available to them yeah Yeah. he only uses the elements of film and the way that film can support story where it's needed like the film uh, again and the thing of how wonderfully this film meets theater and film is that you have these huge dialogue heavy scenes that are mm. used with like big wide open scenes and you can see like there's so much negative space. You can see the whole room um, that really supports the actors. And then at the same time, he uses uh, really tight like, close-ups on mm. Blanche at like those really mounting moments. Mm. Um, and I think he, I think he allows for the best presentation of um, the, like the very, kind of ambiguous but pretty implied rape scene yep. that I've seen of the production yeah. of the story in that he uses like the way that the shattered mirror is used. Yep. Yep. I just think he does a really good job of painting. We'll, we'll talk about this when we compare the pics, but how this film, unlike a lot of other things we've watched where I feel like they want to teach you something or like there's a moral lesson to be learned or values. It's really about as lots of Williams is putting different characters all of them with different beliefs, ideas, dynamics in a mm. boiling pot mm. and watching how that how they interact with each other. Yeah. yeah. I think it's not my fave, Ilya Kazan. I really love A, fa- a Face in the Crowd, which is definitely yeah. a more cinematic movie. Cinematic, yeah. But you couldn't have directed this movie like you directed that. No. Like, no. no. It There's would not support those two performances, yeah. which is so mm. both so weighty. Yeah. And, mm. like, it's so neat how, like, the acting schools they've come from work in the context of the story. Like, totally. Stanley yeah. is... A brutal character. Yeah, and he's come from the – yeah. No, I agree. I think it's also interesting to think about Lee as an actress in this. This is an ugly role. There is nothing – although it's, you know, it, it's under this guise of elegance and this southern belle sort of um, persona, yeah. Blanche Dubois is ugly. She's playing – she's an actress playing an actress basically. Yeah, like exactly. Like someone still holding up this pretense of being a – society girl yeah and it speaks to this bygone sort of era and she brings it into the french quarter in the most desperate and harrowing way and um i think it's also interesting thinking about lee's probably her other most notable um performance in um gone with the the wind Wind. which is that sort of similar vein of the bell who's rejected highly romantic romantic and sweeping yeah it's this epic has this nastiness at her core and Mm -hmm. that yeah exactly and lee is so well cast in this role as with um brando they are the yeah yeah i wonder how much is it intentioned because i watch it now like it's such a film of of mirroring like in the way that we have these very different acting styles face to face it supports a movie that is all about differences it's about like romanticism versus reality Hmm. different brands of cruelty the way that like blanche her version of cruelty is that she makes up lies but it's never um Mm. intentioned it's never malicious Mm. whereas stanley stanley's like malicious like he is cruel and he he sees her lies as malicious yeah um like she even says that um her only unforgivable crime is intentioned cruelty Mm. and that's 
like that stands go to mm-hmm. is intention and cruelty. Like the way that the very acting styles themselves reflect yeah. their engagement with the story. I think we would all be on the same page in saying that the like the crux of this film is its performances. Like this movie mm. isn't Brando the only one that didn't get an Oscar. No, no, he got an Oscar. For no, but it's it's tied with Network for the most acting awards. I who did he? I feel like oh. he might be the only one that didn't get the Oscar. I believe he did the first of four. Because he got four consecutive after this. Nominations. Oh, nominations, yeah. Not, not wins, maybe. Maybe it was a nomination, not a win. I'm not sure. Um, I but like yeah. when he gets introduced and, like, he comes in, he's, like, sweaty and just, like, oh a beefcake. And then he's, like, hi, Blanche. His voice is, like, super mild <laughs> yeah. and brando and really totally high. Agree. Oh, I totally agree. Um, I found out from a wonderful listener of, of the show mm. uh, when I, I posted on our socials that we were watching this, uh, let me know, informed me of a little fact that this was the first film to have uh, a man in a T-shirt, not as an undergarment, like the, wow. where he's wearing a T-shirt. Oh, like as, a, a wife beater. As Ooh. a form of like Ooh. fashion. <laughs> <laughs> like a wife beater T-shirt. But yeah, like it, it is the weird. Well, it's a Luke. He looks really good. I think we should talk a bit more about Brando in the sense that it is that thing where some, sometimes you watch a movie and you look at a performance and you just like see years and years of a career like about yeah. to happen mm. like, like it's so explosive born. yeah yeah i love as well when she's like there's a cat in the alley and she's like oh and he's like there's cats <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah he does so a really weird. good yeah, like, <laughs> oh, so yeah good. anyways um yeah so straight car generally i think we would all agree it's about these huge performances text heavy um and pulls off that tricky transition from script trend. like a stage yeah. production to mm. a really good movie yeah. which is a difficult thing to do yeah, and I'm really interested to hear what you guys think about what it it is actually trying to set out to do because that's kind of what I struggled with this yeah. week in that it yeah, feels like a what boiling like a boiling pot movie as yeah. opposed to something that wants us to walk away with a lesson or anything. But yeah, that's a conversation. Yeah. For a little bit later. Well, maybe let's get into the thick of it with Blue Jasmine. time to talk about blue jasmine all right what is blue jasmine do you know i know please tell (laughs) blue jasmine (laughs) is a 2013 american black comedy drama Mm. film Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. is written and directed by woody allen who we we don't like woody um Mm, yes well, do we like Woody? I don't oh, we'll know. talk about this. We yes, don't. of course. Um, <laughs> it tells the story of Jasmine Francis, who is played by the incandescent Kate Blanchett, Ooh. who uh, voyages to San Francisco to reunite with her sister um, Ginger, um, where Ginger is living with her two sons. Um, she is divorced from. Her husband, and it sort of tempts this idea that uh, Jasmine had something to do with the breakdown of that relationship. She's recoupled with what's that actor's name? Is he Australian? Skarsgård guy. One of wait, which guy? The 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 Stanley. Not Stanley, oh, sorry, Stanley. Bobby Cannavale. No, yeah. he is an Australian. Why do I always think he is? Because he's with Rose Byrne, who's Australian. Oh yeah, yeah that's Damn, it. That's and a power I think couple. he's Stanley in a in a, in a stage production with Rose Byrne or I'd something. Watch that, oh. At the moment. I would watch up. that. I'd really watch that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's sort of loosely based on the same idea. Oh, not even that loosely of a streetcar named Zaya. Um, he it, said. I yeah. think he said it before. And Alan mm. is like um, throughout his career sort of tempts out Williams um, in yeah. his work. Mm. Um, 
I would say my main, like, um, my my main attraction to this film is like similarly similarly to a streetcar named Desire, Blanchett's performance. Like, I just am so taken with her as an actress generally, but in this role, there's something very striking about her breakdown. I think it's it one of the most like unforgettable performances of the 21st century so far. Jeez. Whoa, no! Don't you think it's exceptional? I think it's astounding. I, it's an incredible performance. Do you think it's too to heightened or something? Sometimes she gets on my nerves a bit as an actress, honestly. Oh, really? wow, I'm sorry. Go. In this and Carol, I find her a bit too mannered. And oh. it's like, I know she's doing it on purpose, but it like uh, it's like a distancing device for me. Okay. And it's like, I don't need to always relate with characters in movies I'm watching. But yeah. like some, yeah, I don't know what it is. In some movies, I'm really there with her and I find yeah. her really like magnetic to watch. Yeah. And in this case, I guess, like, she's kind of doing Vivian's performance a little bit. Vivian yeah, I, I think she walks the finest line in this film. I would agree. I think it's so impressive. And I think it never feels between, like, like, melodrama and yeah. being, like, yeah. an actual yeah, lady who's losing her shit. But I also yeah. think that that is sort of carried throughout. Like, it's this strange consistency. It isn't as if from the first beat you think she's fine and then she's not. Yeah. Which is sort of what um, Lee does with Streetcar. She, from the first like when you're introduced to her, she's getting off this plane and this woman that she's been sitting next to, to on the plane sort of has this moment of um, exposition and says to her husband, I don't know who that was. She sat next to me and wouldn't shut up about her family. <laughs> that's real. Yeah. And I love that that's what we know from the beginning and it carries throughout and there is this unravel but it's not of her. Like we know that she's just had such a like this sort of bizarre really pervasive nervousness about her Mm. it's throughout it's really consistent so i feel like it would be an easy um decision to make to try and seem together and then eventually at the end we see her fall apart like i like that she doesn't make that choice yeah totally um but but what do you think i agree i think i think blanchett is stunning i think she's the clear mvp of the film um I, i was reading how she um did a lot of her research was almost from a distance looking at footage and videos and reading up and I think in some cases meeting the wives left in the wake of the uh, the Madoff oh, yeah. scandal. So like hmm. essentially very similar to the film, huge like investment scandals that so uh one of uh who I, I don't know business stock thing. The Bernie Madoff scam Madoff. Yeah, Madoff. but um, whoever his, his son was the one who uh, called the FBI mm. and ran oh. it out, much like in this film, in this film. she and does. And did the son commit suicide? And he committed suicide though, yeah. two years to the day Jeez. that oh, wow. um, that he did it, that he called in, uh, he that he turned in his father. Yeah. Um, and that she did the research on what it is to have such wealth and then be left in the in the, in the wake of like yeah. not having anywhere to support that and like you've made your identity up off kind of pretending that mm. like lying to yourself for years. I have to say such a tricky thing this week of that to me the other big mvp is woody allen yeah I think and that's some what his, we have to say i think it's so, so hard how to be engaged with any of his work yeah. because this is some of his best filmmaking as well as well because like i always yeah. like his scripts always have so much it's credited find, as being the of his late career his peak peak performance like in yeah. terms of people um, kind of talk about this and midnight direction. in paris yeah. in terms of like um so that's decades. that's what i was about to raise um mm. Can we appreciate the art without appreciating the artist? Obviously, uh, for listeners who don't know, Woody Allen is an abuse an abuser. Like he's an he, abuser. he has married his. He hasn't been convicted of anything. Never been convicted of anything. But Mia Farrow's um, his former partner. kids have 
come out with some very compelling evidence Harrowing. in the form of essays. Being like, if um, you don't personal believe accounts. me, then you're choosing to ignore. Yeah. Like, th- this is what's happened. Like, these are the facts. And we might put yeah. Dylan Farrow's um, article oh, yeah, into in a Vanity Fair in the... Yeah. Is that Vanity Fair? I think so. Yeah. Um, I think it's an important thing also, to understand. It's when compelling that he yeah. married his... Um, adopted daughter, yeah. not really. Who he's known legally, since she was like a child. Moon is his partner yep. to this day. Um, to this day, people who've acted with him and performed underneath him and you know whatever, all say, "Oh, we love Woody." Yeah. And it comes across Scarlet in his art as just well. Came out as, it does come across. Yeah, yeah in support of like him. in Manhattan. He the right choice in the movie is that he ends up with a seventeen-year-old yeah. underage person. Yeah. yeah. Um, um. So it's it's troubling to talk about Woody Allen. I'd be surprised if any listeners haven't heard of this um, s- scandal surrounding him. But, um, you know, if you haven't, it's an interesting I, thing to It's the about. kind of thing where I go, like, it's very easy to throw away when people, like, abusers work and be like, we cancel you when yeah. the work they do doesn't bring much to, like, the cultural sphere. But yeah. to me, Alan is such a unique voice in that he, particularly in regards to, like, relationships yeah. and monogamy, paints such a truthful picture of... Like the most astounding thing for me growing up is seeing that the way that we paint relationships and like love yeah. in cinema as so black and like so black and white. Uh, like yeah. you fall in love with someone and then you live happily yeah. forever. Like he paints m- monogamy and the bluntness of yeah. that in, a really in all of his work so truthfully and honestly. And it's a voice that I go, I don't know any other voice. Like I don't like know this. a voice like and that. Even you can that, hear all the therapy he's been in in every one yeah. of his films. And, and to that end, this neuro- neurotic personality has inspired such so much work. Like there are so many, um, I'm totally. sure, writers and creators and artists who would say like, you know, as shit as it is to say, like, yeah, I feel very inspired by Woody Allen, yeah. which is a, it's a sad thing when we look back at work and we go, how can we like this? How can I watch this film? And I know that my, you know, me watching this on whatever streaming platform or renting it or whatever, buying the film, you are getting a cut of this. And so I am in effect celebrating you specifically as a person. And how can you as well remove the abuser from the work when their work is so intensely personal yeah. as well. Is yeah. it just about not financially supporting them or is engaging yeah. with Do the I art still like, supporting them? It's hard to say because like we bought a ticket. Like I have supported Woody Allen's work. Yeah. Whether I like it or and not. I've enjoyed it. But, I like Blue Jasmine. Yeah. I love but Blue Jasmine. But no, everything yeah. you're saying that you got from it in terms of like how his storytelling relates to like sex and romance. I'm like, mm, I feel like you can get that from other creators. Like yeah. They might not be on the same profile as him and they might might not make it into like into these adult successful films that everyone knows and has as like a cultural touchstone. Yeah. And maybe that's how he's culturally significant, that he can bring these like super, super Jewish, like yeah. neurotic um view of like sex and love yeah. into a really mainstream platform. But yeah. I don't know, I just feel like there are people who are not abusers that can do and say the same things yeah. and have been overlooked. If you want this kind of personality, I'd probably turn you to like the Myrowitz stories for and that. Yeah, sort of, I was like, gonna say Noah Baumbach. Noah yeah. Baumbach. Or even like, can you ever forgive me that came out last year? Yeah, can you that had Woody Allen vibes and it was better than like eighty totally percent of Woody Allen movies I've seen. Yeah, yeah, um, and you know Annie Hall wasn't the first thing to do Annie Hall. Like it's kind of that thing of like, yeah, he's a person. I mostly speak about Annie Hall vibe. when I say the approach to relationships. Yeah. But um, beyond beyond the writing, I also think yeah, that's what surprised me this time. Um, seeing this film again is I think this is a film that I, I never really leave a Woody Allen film being like that was very cleverly directed but I just wanted to note some incredible like some very impressive visual things that they do here mm. um, I love that 
the direction always positions Jasmine as talking to herself, even in two-hander scenes. Mm-hmm. Like in a scene where she's talking to someone else, the camera mm. will always frame it as though she's talking to a wall yeah. because sometimes she does actually talk to herself. Early on you go, is she talking to someone? We can't see them. Then yeah. gradually he reveals that she actually is talking to herself. But then even in scenes between her and her sister, it's always shot like she's talking to a oh, wall, which I absolutely love. I also love um, that... The, the it's such like a gorgeous film. He obviously always shoots like locations like San Francisco and uh, and New York. He sh- like shoots them very radiantly, but um, like he reflects the location. But I love that, uh, particularly San Francisco. It is so radiant. Like the cinematography is so it has radiant such a and bright. In this it, film, it feels like the lies that Jasmine's saying to herself. Like her yeah. whole everything's fine, everything's fine. She's sort the of sitting on this like waterfront. She's like, oh, it feels like Saint Tropez. It's like the docks, and they're having yeah. like clam chowder. And like everything's going. And like whenever things are going horribly, the scene yeah. looks, it looks beautiful great. and like yellow and bright and sunny. Yeah. And it feels yeah. like exactly the lies. Did you read something about the costume design of the jacket or whatever? Did yes, really cool. I read I about that. Um, they're saying the costume design. I bought two Chanel jackets, one of them for the early scenes of the film where she's still with Alec Baldwin, her yeah. like husband who's this crazy like corrupt investor, and another one for her to wear in the later scenes of the film. And they just dressed it and like ran it through like a cheap like wow. washing machine to make it look like she's like fraying at the edges. Wow. And like even though it's this really expensive garment, she's like losing falling her shit. Apart. So it's kind of falling yeah. apart and looking really starchy. Yeah. yeah. And I think all of that, there are just so many decisions in this film that I'm like, yep. Like that's where that needed to go in terms of its direction. It's captured in a beautiful light. I see this film in yellows and blues. It feels it's it's a strong film in like visually, yeah. performance-wise. Even like Sally Hawkins has a really great performance in there. But is the drama really that compelling? Like her story with Louis C.K. You're like, yeah, no, cool, what's that, this for? That didn't mean anything. I love to the me, I, I I wrote down. I love the complication of that we see that Jasmine's that. presence almost corrupt because I think it's so corrupt easy Sally to Hawkins. do the very stark black and white of like because we're going to talk about I think this film has more to say about values than streetcar I mm. think it, it talks about you it's know, more what, moralistic what, what mm. is the measure of success and yep. wealth like emotional intelligence versus um like like logical intelligence yeah. like more traditional intelligence that kind of thing yeah. um and I think it's very easy to paint a film with stark blacks and whites of like Sally Hawkins is good because she loves family and it doesn't and do that it she doesn't is bad do that by it, any it shows about the complications and therefore shows how Sally Hawkins is like her character's like life experience means that she's able to resolve conflict better yeah. than Jasmine is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Alan gives you any sympathy for Sally Hawkins character, especially. Yeah. And it makes me think like um, Tennessee Williams being this gay dude, like being even somewhat marginalized gave him more insight. I mean, I guess I'm getting to the comparing section <laughs> too quickly. I know. But That's gave stunning. him some kind of insight ready. as to how trapped and scared Blanche would feel in her situation. Yeah. Whereas Alan encourages you to sneer at his female characters more. Yeah. And Interesting. It put me off. Well, maybe let's get into the thick of the comparison. Let's compare the pics and, and really get Stop into it. the meat of it. Now it is time to compare the picks. Let's talk about the movies in comparison and decide which films accomplish what they set out to achieve best. Eliza, I want to start with you. You feel, I feel like you've got some strong opinions. <laughs> yeah. You look uh, like Stella being all sad in the corner. I'm like, 
Stanley, <laughs> my baby. Um, yeah, I think the fact that one of these texts is really clearly influenced by the other one, mm. like it's already off to a bad start. And for me, yep. like oh, right. my bias against Alan, like he has, uh, I think I've, I've probably seen like 10 or 11 of his movies. Um, he has like a movie that I really like. And apart from that, I What's feel like that? I've given him, I really like um, Purple Rose of Cairo. Yeah. I don't think I've seen and it. other ones I'm like, I'm impressed by, but feel, I don't feel like there's much soul to them. Right. Or, I love Annie Hall. I really love Annie Hall. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's something, it's, it's not my bad. I love Blue Jasmine. <laughs> yeah. I think um, you do make a really compelling point in the sense that like Blue Jasmine, its premise is completely borrowed from yeah. A Streetcar Named Desire. I think also if we're talking about Streetcar, this... <sighs> It's hard. It's a hard thing to say, but it is. And I always have this problem with films, where especially f- movies that are like adapted from books, from plays, or whatever. I'm like, why did this need to be a movie? I had that as a real problem. This got me into into trouble with people. Uh, this is such a problem with three billboards outside of Effie, Missouri. I was like, Ugh. this did not need to be a film. Like yeah, everything this is like interesting a real about it. For you. Yeah, I have, and it's one of my pet peeves with movies. I'm watching a film, and I'm like. I like this, but I don't like it because it's a movie. I could have seen it as a play or I could have read it as a book and I would have been much more compelled by it. And Streetcar, whilst everything that it accomplishes is incredible, its merits are nothing to do with movie making generally, I don't think. Like I think it speaks more to the the actors and that could have stayed in a theatre domain. I'm glad that it became a movie because it became much more accessible and more people could see it, more universal. I was and say, I, I think, think that's just, important. I, but aside from that, for a great story, like yeah. on the one hand, but on the other hand, I'm kind of like, when I'm thinking, okay, we've adapted this from something. I'm thinking, why did this need to be a movie? Like, Especially why because they be make changes that deflate elements of of the show. Like, yeah. there are um, both textually, they remove the fact that um, Blanche, uh, Blanche's husband, killed himself gay. because oh, he had implied. a he. It's implied he had a homosexual affair. Yeah, it's just implied that she was like, I'm disgusted by you. Yeah. There's also like a lot of scenes are moved outside. Yeah. Of the apartment, which I feel like removes some of the claustrophobia yeah. that the film builds. It kind of the film really kind of has some pacing issues in the middle. And as I well. don't know what it would have done otherwise. It's not as if I'm looking at Kazan's direction and being like, "Why'd you do that?" Like because I know why you did that. That made sense. But if I'm thinking about Streetcar, I want to see Stanley at the bottom of the stairs and Stella at the top, Stella. and I want to see him screaming on his knees, Stella. Like that's what I want to see in the shot. But we can't do that in the constraints of you know this screen like it didn't doesn't work in the same way so on the one hand I'm like you know streetcar achieves so much because it's just such a text on the other hand I'm like could blue did blue jasmine probably did need to be a movie like I don't couldn't see that being a play and being any better I think they both also have very different purposes what kind of stuck out to me is yeah I think on just even just like very functional level I think blue jasmine wants to make you laugh and I don't yeah, think yeah. straight cutters, like on one level, Blue Jasmine is a comedy. Yeah. It's a dark comedy. And I think, as we said, it's all about the values of of what is it to be successful and like yeah. what is like that, yeah, like w- yeah. measuring yourself against, a- others. against others. I would also say, whereas just to go back yeah. to what Eliza was saying, sorry to interrupt no, that's you, right. who, what, why are we laughing? Are we laughing at these characters or are we laughing... Like, what are we laughing at here? I mean, it starts with the Woody Allen, like, clarinet music and that Woody Allen font. And all the dialogue is very Allen-esque, like, banter and, like, characters alternately being aware of how dumb they are 
and like saying mm. stuff really unaware that the audience is like, oh, I'm smarter than them. And yeah. they just said something really foolish and like bougie and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Damn. Like it's him implying his style onto this text. Yeah. Yeah. Putting, yeah, putting his stamp on it. Yeah, and if you don't like an Alan stamp, then you're not going to like it. Truly. Whereas I think in the other, yeah. oh, sorry, in, in the other lens, Streetcar is a, like to me what, like that's kind of what I wanted to ask you guys about. Do you say Streetcar as being anything more than, watching people interact like a character study. Yeah. A character study. this is a character study it's a, a, and that's why it's set in one place because it's like a boiling pot like people yeah. interacting and it, it building and building and building and building yeah. yeah i think as well though this is just like my personal bias i love a character study like i love a film that is literally just like fucked up characters talking at each other for like an hour and a half like that's what I want to watch and that's why I think as well my main interest aside from like cinema would be theater like I love to see this really dense sort of literary like this really lyrical dialogue Mm. and this banter back and forth so that's sort of why as well like obviously Alan especially in terms of his writing he is so so witty and he's so able to get to spots in so few words that no other writer could be able to do. Like it's what he's saying says a lot and nothing. Like him, you know, Kate Blanchett arriving and talking about how bad first class is after she's just said yeah. that she has no money. Like, and that also does really borrow from Streetcar, but, you know, he's saying so much in so few words. So I am kind of like there's something to be said for the both of them as texts, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I am a little bit stuck. I don't like how Alan always says making love as well. Like all the characters, Ew. like when we were I making love last phrase. night. I'm like, oh, no, don't I hate that. that. Banging. Yeah, I think it's hard having <laughs> we we've grown up always knowing that Woody Allen was this kind of monster. Yeah, like, yeah. You can't we can't watch it. It's hard to being like cringe. But Even like being like picking the movies, we're like, are we going to actually do that? Yeah, or? and it means that when I watch his movies, like it's sad, but when I watch them, I'm you thinking, who else could have directed it? Mm, yeah. oh, I'm like, right. Pedro Almodovar could have done this really, really well. Oh, he loves wow. telling women stories in a really sensitive telling, way. Yeah. He's great really at melodrama and gives a shit about it more than Alan does. Yeah, and he's a real yeah actor director. So. Yeah. so, do you think, Eliza, that you like? Do you feel like Blue Jasmine's quite a pointless exercise, or do you feel like with the right, the same story with the right uh, person behind it, with the right creatives, it uh. could be like a I guess have a different relationship to it. I don't think it's pointless. Like I didn't not enjoy it while watching it, but I, I guess I don't see the point in comparing them that much. I'm just like, for me, it's so clear that Streetcar is the stronger text, and mm. all of the components in it are stronger. And mm. yeah, it's sad. It's like there's two criticisms in my mind of the movie. One that there's ways I think it could have been better, regardless of who made it, mm. and one that I can't separate the creator from the impact he has on the story and the parts of like that, the the stuff that he does in every movie that shows up in this movie. Yeah. And I think it's very reckless to not consider, like, I I don't think you can fully have an attitude of like, Oh, like we can separate separate it, but Mm. especially when any text is going to have themes of like relations between men and women and, yeah. and sex like, when his relationship that's a, and especially because it's so, so prevalent in these films yeah. has to be yeah. present yeah. it's like that saying everything is about sex except for sex because sex is about power oh. and like in god she said it hasn't she in a streetcar named desire that adds to the story, I think. And mm. you're like, wow, this is really just 
like extended scenes of these two characters who are so diametrically opposed, like power transitioning rapidly between them. Mm. Like one minute Stanley's being an asshole, and then the other you feel sympathy for him. You're like, oh, this is this feels so uncomfy because I know he's an abuser. Yeah. But in Blue Jasmine, I feel like a lot of that is behind the camera, and it's saying like. Ooh, mm. these women, wow, they can just wrap men around their finger and stuff. Mm. And I, I think it's less thought through. And Yeah, maybe not as intentional. There's not as much care in the characters. Yeah, look, you know what? I think for the first time I'm, I've, I might have changed my position. I have yes, to say it. join me. I yeah. walked into this episode I being like, I'm going to let Jasmine. the conversation sway me. because all, uh, um, And, yeah, I have to say I've, I've flipped as well. Oh, my gosh. So wow. Wait, wow. Can I, are we Jane, all streetcar? Yeah. I'm streetcar. Oh, I feel so powerful. I came wow. in thinking I was going to be saying that Streetcar didn't need to be a film because it's such a strong play. But I think at the end and of the that day, would one of the, me? I, I, what I've realised kind of midway through is I'm like, one of these is just a better text. Yeah. Like one of, at the end of the day, one of these. Like you can't fight Streetcar. You Sorry. can't fight Streetcar. Yeah. That, that's yeah, the takeaway. Like streetcar, no. Yeah, didn't need to explain that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I guess congratulations, Streetcar, because Ooh. it hasn't had enough accolades in its time. Um, Truly, this like, is the most meaningful of its wins. Um, we, yeah, obviously controversial ep, um, but thanks for bearing with us. Yeah, truly. I think that that wraps that up. Yeah, so car. let's move to uh, a little segment we like to call Triplet in the Attic. Me, me, let me out of here, please. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were doing Woody Allen. It's like, let me out of here. <laughs> it was annoying. While you do this, I'm going to like try and do some Danny Elfman don't. music over it. No, Please you do don't. it. It'll work. Just, I think it'll support the creepy triplet thing. Oh, okay. 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 Triplet in la, the la, attic. We each got a pick. I don't like it. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like it at all. Um, I tried. <laughs> we each pick a rejected third little piece of media that could act like a triplet um, thematically to what we've spoken about for the week um, as sort of like a pseudo recommendation. Um, Eliza, would you like to start? Yeah, sure. I chose the Simpsons episode of Street Oh, Cup. it's oh, a good yeah. one. It's a really yeah. good one. It's a f- season four episode called A Streetcar Named Marge. And it's about there's a local th- like community theatre production mm. of Streetcar and Marge plays Blanche and Ned plays Stanley. <laughs> and the music in it is so good. Because <laughs> like all Simpsons music is With so great. Season four Conan writing. I'm sure it was, yeah. Yeah, best. I've been back on The Simpsons recently oh, in a big I way. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched the episode oh. again just to be like, is it good? And like, sorry, it's good. Done. It is good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. And there's like a really good yeah. joke at the start that I always think about. And I was so excited to see that it was in the episode where like, sometimes there's like weird Simpsons jokes where you're like, wow, that's really out of character for that person to say it. And yeah. it makes it really funny. And it was like, they're watching a beauty pageant on TV and one of the judges is like this really catty, like Simon Cowell guy. Mm. And Bart is like, wow, he's such a bitch. <laughs> like, it's so weird. He's like, did I just say Bart say bitch? Like, what is this? And I don't know they're allowed to say bitch. Oh, yeah, no, where, where like someone watch it in regards oh. to the double feature? Is this a double feature? Yeah. Um, they are both Maybe quite watch it instead of Blue Jasmine Eliza's <laughs> I don't know because both of them have a pretty depressing ending. I think watching yeah. The Simpsons at the very end would make you be like, Ooh, it's all good. Yeah. Like, okay. Mm. I like it. I like it. Noah? Yeah. Hello, hello. So um, 
We briefly mentioned the gorgeous score in Streetcar Named Desire by um, Alex North. It's one of actually the first jazz-oriented film scores. And uh, he's such an underrated composer. Like, I, I love what this score. And I looked up and I was like, how do we not talk about this career more? He did, mm. um, he did Spartacus mm. uh, as, as well as this. And he also did, uh, he did a score. He was commissioned by Stanley Kubrick to make a score for 2001 A Space Odyssey. Stop. And then it was not used. Wow. Stanley oh, said this. This is head. evil. Anthony's Look at nodding. this. Kubrick he said, knows. however good our best film composers may be, they are not a Beethoven, a Mozart, a Brahms. Why Sorry. use music which is less good when oh. there is such a multitude of great orchestral music available from the past and from our own time? What a mole. When you are editing a film, <laughs> it's very... Stanley Kubrick, you <laughs> such a mole. Such a mole. It's so, very... Imagine writing a whole fucking score and being like, here it is. He's like, well, it's not He's exactly like, oh, Beethoven, not Beethoven. He found out at the, at the premiere his oh. music was in the film. because So essentially Kubrick had been putting the like classical music over the film just to see how it would, would work. And, and then he was like, oh, we'll sub in the score later. And he was like, mm. no, I like the score. I might, I like the classical music better. Stanley Kubrick, another directing asshole Exactly, guy. such, such a, dick. a dick. So um, Good my there. recommendation, my trip at the attic this week is that you, you come at, you get someone else to make you a vodka martini with a twisted lemon. Oh, and huh. you sit down and you listen to the main title uh, theme from... Alex North's uh, unused 2001 like? Space Odyssey score. Good, it's, apparently. <laughs> it's more restrained than... It still has like it's weird no jazz even. elements to it, which is why I was like, is it a good recommendation for these films? But I think it is because I think mm. I think maybe at the end of both films and you're all exhausted and you're feeling... It's just time for a martini. Gro- yeah, it's yeah. time for a martini. And it's, it's still like grander than a lot of his other, other stuff. stuff. But yeah, there's still a little jazz element to it. And mm. I think it's... Stunning. So that's my recommendation for this week. Well, like I had said, I love reading plays um, and I love Tennessee Williams. So my triplet in the attic is my favourite Tennessee Williams play, which is Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Um, I just think it's amazing writing. It's like the most incredible read. I've never seen it. I really want to. Um, There are two films um, film adaptations of it, neither of which I've seen. Got to get onto that What's too. That? I've, I've the only seen Taylor the Taylor. One. There's the 84. I don't know. It's just one There's of more street kind of desires, aren't there? There's yeah. one in like 85 or something. Everyone's mm. just going crazy about William shit. <laughs> <laughs> Kids today. All they want to do is sit around and watch how you want to. No, pass me some Williams. Yeah, so I would recommend giving that a watch or a read or whatever you whatever you want to do. But it's a it's really thick and Dirty. A very broad Ooh. week of triplet in the attic. Yeah. Well, I really like this one, you guys. This was like yeah, fun, was fun for me. Yeah. I agree. Um, bit it was a bit of a deep. Fun. It was a deep episode. Yeah, it yeah. was really deep. Anyway, sweaty. We hope you liked it too. Thank you so much for listening to another episode. It actually does mean the world to us. Um, if you did have a good time, we would love for you to subscribe, leave comments, reviews, any constructive criticism and feedback that you can give us. We very much appreciate and we take that into account. It helps us out so much. Um, yeah, it means it means heaps. If you also want to spread the word please do um we are available on most like podcasting apps um you can find us on instagram on facebook if you have comments you are free to shoot us an email at twinpixpodcast at gmail.com um we also do have another little film criticism website that we can recommend to you yeah roughcut.com mm-hmm. it's just really well written film criticism by young people that know a lot about movies yeah 
Exactly. And uh, what are we watching next week? Yeah, yeah. So we did have some feedback and people asked us to tell us what they would be what we would be watching next so that they can watch along. Next week we are going to be watching Billy Madison and Billy Elliot. Billy, 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 Billy. Billy, Billy. Billy City. Um <laughs> so yeah, watch them if you want to or don't. We don't want to tell you how to live your life. Yeah. Um but yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. It means the most. Have it means a the most, yes. It means Great. the most. The most of everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Twins. <laughs> Twins, hey, uh, twin party. my twin friend and I are really running out of steam on the twin catch. What were you about to say? What were you I don't know. Where are you I going? thought it would come to me. Maybe is there something Stella related? Twins! <laughs> 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 See you next week. Ugh.